Stu Radio Show, Josh Helmer. How you feeling today, man? You good? What's up? Good morning. How are you? I watched all of Monday Night Football last night. Every minute, every second, every snap. I was, uh, it's the best way to put, spoiled. I don't get that very often. I don't get, I don't, I'll get to do that very often. Usually whenever it's Monday Night Football and it's not the Raiders, my family's kind of reached its end for football and that wasn't the case last night. Good win for the Cowboys. Nice little bounce back. I can I can I pose just a quick we got a lot to get to on the show today, Oklahoma related. Right? We've got the Brent Venables press conference, so we're skedaddling at eleven thirty. I a uh, little bit late getting in here because I was putting the finishing touches on the uh, Gus Gus Malazan press conference from yesterday where he did say that John Rice Plumley is gonna be back and start. We got an 11 a.m. start time for Kansas, which, I mean, just to be honest, every time there's an 11 a.m. start, there's money that's taken out of my pocket, but I'm fine with it <laughs> for some reason going to Lawrence next weekend. Uh, if it's a road game and it's 11 a.m., I'm fine. Which, by the way, I think I saw Keegan Renault. I think I saw Keegan on Twitter point out we're probably angling towards an 11 a.m. start for Bedlam, too. Because when you look around the country and you see, A, where Oklahoma could be, and then B, kind of, I, I don't know who would have the first pick there that weekend, but Big Noon Kick would be choosing between like Ohio State and Rutgers. Or, there, there was, I think it was just a bunch of terrible games that were that weekend. So we might be, we might be on the cusp of back, hold on, back to back to back to back 11 a.m. kicks which we'll get to coming up here in just a bit. It's okay when they're away from Norman. Good catch by your part, Keegan. But, uh, and, and obviously we have all the stuff from the coaches' show last night, which was phenomenal. I mean, so good. It's weird, the setup this week, because the bye week comes after OU Texas and after a big game, where that Monday after the big game, everyone wants to talk about it. But historically, Josh, we have always – taken the week of the bye week off with our show. So there's no Coach's Corner, there's no Rudy's, there's no Huddle, there's not a lot of podcasts, there's usually a, a classic broadcast we throw in. This week it happened to be OU Texas. So it's kind of a, outside of the season when we had two buys and then the COVID season where I think we ended up having like three, usually that bye week you just you don't do too much, right? So it was kind of weird because – Miguel Chavis walks in yesterday, right on time too, by the way, Josh, right on time. Good. And the first thing he says when he's answering, he's like, but the uh, OU Texas game, great moment for this program, and uh, we put that thing to bed. And I look at him like, well, we got to wake him up for a little bit <laughs> because we, you haven't had a chance to talk about it, right? So it's been a whole week of this is awesome, this is great, and then USC gets beat, and then you know all of a sudden your percentage to make the playoffs and the All-State playoff predictor is the top, and I don't know what that means for anybody, but it's, it's exciting. And yet here we are. These guys have moved on to UCF, and I'm just going to go out on a limb. I think they've done a lot of work on Kansas too this past week. I think there's some things that carry over because a lot of the work you did on SMU carries over to UCF. Because SMU's head coach, Rhett Lashley, was Gus Malzahn's right-hand man basically his whole life. <laughs> Malzahn's, Malzahn's quarterback 
at I keep wanting to say Springdale. I don't think it was Springdale. But Malzahn's quarterback in one of his quarterbacks in high school was Rhett Lashley. Whenever he got his head coach's job, well, actually it was before he got his uh, head coach's job, when he was an assistant at uh, Auburn, Rhett Lashley was his right-hand man whenever he was an assistant at uh, – he he didn't Rhett didn't come with him to Tulsa. Rhett might have still been playing. My point is, Rhett had been there with Gus from high school to college. The only place he wasn't with Gus was Arkansas State. And a lot of the things that Rhett Lashley did for SMU is based off of what Gus Malzahn does with his offense. So you've you've had a good sneak peek, which maybe allows you a chance to say, hey, we got a really big task with a triple option offense coming up uh, in, in a roundabout way in both UCF and Kansas. So what can we work on together that will carry over. Just a thought in my mind. But these guys are working on that, and here I am. How about that goal line stand, huh? How about that game-winning drive? So when you said you've moved on from Texas, like, in a television sense as well? Right. So is it okay if I ask you about every single play from that game? So we, we got a lot, obviously, because we didn't have that week last week, and now, you know, you have a chance to look back. Thankfully, it's all good stuff, right? Well, Brent Venable said, said on Monday, asking they might have thought we lost the game, and Miguel Chavis and Jeff Levy both said the same thing after looking back on it. It was pretty cool. That's probably what it should uh, look and feel like. Here's my question, though. Okay, so there's all of the, that's what we're getting to. Help me understand this. Is Are we just the largest group of spoiled people on the planet? And let me explain. Because I did that thing that I shouldn't ever do with a football game, Josh. I'm sitting down. I'm watching it play out. I'm kind of playing on Twitter a little bit. And all I see is just, oh, this game sucks. This game's terrible. I don't want to watch this game. It's, why are we putting this on prime? I'm thinking to myself, did your remote break? Can you not get up and go watch baseball? I mean, I'm sure there's, there's 8,000 Netflix documentaries. I mean... Do people just watch football to complain about the game? Because that's – and trust me, was it a pretty game? No. Did Mike McCarthy make some terrible coaching decisions? Absolutely. Did Justin Herbert say, hold my beer, I've got some bad decisions I'm going to make? You bet. But, I mean, g- give me a bad football game any day of the week. A bad one-score football a game. A bad one-score football game. And everyone's acting like they're being forced – like a horror movie with their eyes like wide open with toothpicks and being forced to watch it. Don't get me wrong. There is such things as bad football games. But whenever there's like three minutes to go in the second quarter, what are we even doing? I mean, calm down. Watch something else. Bring some positivity to it, baby. I noticed they're going all in this morning as I watch Get Up on Mike McCarthy's time management decisions near the end of the first half I have a problem with them but I think my bigger problem is with 40 seconds how is that a play where you're running the clock whenever dude gets blasted out of bounds I think it was Cooks maybe it was CD they're running it out it's taking them towards the sideline they catch the ball they're pushed out of bounds, and the official can't wait to jump over there and start running. Here, I'm watch, watch it again, Josh. 48, look. Throw it to the sidelines. Run. How is that running the clock? Yeah, I don't know. I, I've never seen – that's got to be one of the worst calls I've ever seen in my life. And it came with 
40 seconds left in the first half of a football game. Now, we can get into the time management and the decision to throw underneath and take the field goal at the end of the first half. Cowboys won the game. It worked. But that call with 40 seconds left in the yeah, first half? Not good. Uh, we, Unless there's something that you and I don't understand. Right. I mean, I, I, I know the, the rule that you have to be moving forward, right, and you can't just cut out of bounds. Which, again, is a stupid which rule. Which is a stupid rule. If we care about player safety, which everyone wants to try to sell you how much they care about player safety, then why are we penalizing them for just getting out of bounds? Don't know. And then last night, if I'm a Cowboy fan, as mad as I am at Mike McCarthy, I will never understand how that play on the sidelines with 40 seconds to go in the first half is a play where the clock keeps rolling. Is there a rule? Help me out today. I know you all like to on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. Is there a rule that I'm missing somewhere? Because I've, I've never seen a play like that in my life. It was, and let's we might let's let's just bring this down to where we can bring it back to Oklahoma and we can bring it back to college football. There's never been a time when we have more resources to make sure that we're getting it right with officiating. Never, never, ever, ever. There's instant replay. Outside of having a chip inside the football, it doesn't make any sense. No, no, no. I I disagree. I disagree with with Dink in Florida. Dink, I disagree 100%. If you go sideways or backwards, clock keeps running. He isn't moving forward. If there is contact, you have to call forward momentum inbounds. No, no, no. Go watch that play, Dink. I understand what you're saying. There is no way, no way you can call that the clock keeps moving. It's it's the most – If I don't know what else you're supposed to do in that play. And probably they need to change that rule anyways. It's a real – I I understand the rules. I just laid out the rules. I don't think they apply in that situation. I think that's one of the dumbest officiating calls I've ever seen. But, again, I'm not going to get heated and start fighting with the text And line. the Cowboys win. And the Cowboys win the game. Cowboys. But back to the point with officiating. And this isn't picking on officials uh, of the high school ranks or anyone. I think you all do a great job. We have an issue, Josh – when it comes to spotting the football. I, I I don't know if putting a chip in the football is the way to to go about it. I don't know. But we we haven't we have an issue because we just we're off. They're showing I think it was actually the Raiders game. They were showing a situation where it was like third and two, and the center, when he gets over to snap the ball, moves the ball up basically a whole yard before he snaps it. Right? He might have been right with the spot of the ball. That's obviously spot, not a spotting issue, but things like that the players are taking advantage of. Uh, but we, I, I would be willing to bet that in college football this year, if you were to go back, we're approaching probably close to maybe 40%, maybe like 45% of the calls in college or the, not calls I should say but the spots in college football that are wrong and it's in this world where we have more resources than we've ever had before I just don't understand how the the eye of the official or where he puts his foot or where he decides we're getting it wrong constantly so that was one thing that stood out 
Besides everyone grinching about everything that happens on TV and college in, in, in football, period. You're all spoiled. If it's not a you're all Arnie Spaniers. If it's not a 35-31 football game with a walk-off touchdown, the game sucks. Ah, right? defense was terrible. That was a terrible game. Ugh. Was it a good game or was it just a good finish? Well, like who cares? I mean, it's a football game on a Monday night. That afterwards, I'm kind of juiced to talk about and figure things out. Third team to uh, collect 50 Monday night football wins. Dallas joins Pittsburgh and San Francisco. Did you see who uh, is like fourth on that list for most Monday night football wins? Who is it? It's the Raiders. But I don't remember when the last time they won on a Monday. Oh, they won against the uh, Packers. But prior to that, I don't remember the last time they won <laughs> Monday night. It had been a minute. But, yeah, so fun night. Good. Good on the Cowboys, right, to get that dub. Important bounce back for them, big time. Justin Herbert did not look good last night, which is reassuring to me. It's like, hey, all right, that's good. But how I, much How much is the hand affecting him? It's got to be, right? It's his non-throwing left hand, but it is a uh, – he was stepped on. I think he was stepped on by Max Crosby. It's got to be uncomfortable at the very least. Has to be. Has then, to be. then again, he uh, – He's, I want to say he's really good, but sometimes it's, I don't know that he's really good. I, uh, I gotta tell you something, man. There was a, there was a nerdy cool moment. Nerdy cool moment. Uh, and actually we're in a group text with all of our fantasy football league members, all like 22 teams that are somehow in this fantasy football league. And Theron, our buddy Theron Smith uh, brought it up. You see near the goal line where CeeDee Lamb caught a pass and was chased down from behind by Kenneth Murray? I think the, I think that was a drive the Cowboys scored on a touchdown to Brandon Cooks. And when uh, – after Murray hit him and brought him down, it's kind of like a moment where he's like, oh, that's CD, and he kind of helped him up, and they kind of patted each other on the back. <laughs> it was just a, ah, oh, there's our guys. Let's, let's go. So it was really cool. I told you whenever the Cowboys drafted CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper was on that roster that they just drafted their number one wide receiver. Seven grabs, buck 17. K-9 looked really good, too. He might be in his last year in Los Angeles, but he's going to – oh, he led – you had a Sooner leading the, the receptions in, in CeeDee Lamb. You had a Sooner that led in tackles, Kenneth Murray. Though he was uh, – they did do a good job of – of getting him on the biggest play of the game, which was that that scramble touch. I think that was the pass that Pollard scored on whenever 46 or 48. For, look, I'm turning into Mike Gunny. You know, 48's a pretty good player out there. I like that. 65. But I think it was 48 or 46 for the Chargers. Missed the tackle, and Pollard spun off and went to the house. They kind of they kind of got canine a little bit on that. Chased him out of the middle of the field. But, yeah, what a what an entertaining football game, Josh Helmer. Entertaining football. It was a good game. In, in, in the misery for some of you, but also in the coaching decisions and the officiating, every, everything mattered. All right, we got a break. When we come back, uh, let's let's start hearing from Gus Malzahn, shall we? On a Tuesday, when we are two hours away from the Brent Venables press conference, where is your level of concern with UCF this weekend, Josh? Probably not nearly as high as it should be. Think it should be a little higher? Yeah, I just expect, uh, you know, whether it's Plumley or you go the other direction or it's a little bit of both, I 
think that Oklahoma defensively should have a really nice day. And offensively, this is a UCF team that's given up a bunch of points, a bunch of yards. Yep. And they're doing so on the ground as well. So with this game being here, I really look for Dylan Gabriel to have a, another very efficient game for Oklahoma to find itself in the run department a little bit. And I don't expect this to be altogether close. But respect, uh, respect the opponent. Respect the opponent. I uh, Here was Gus Malzahn's opening statement yesterday and laying out where they are. Can you hide the text line, please? Because I'm going to sit here and yell at people all day. There you go. Thank you. My and <laughs> Probably I need to get uh, – I. Let me pull ESPN up. That way you yeah. don't have to look at Lincoln Riley's There you face. go. There you go. All right, cool. I'm just I'm I'm not going to get into stepping out of bounds battles or Amari Cooper fights with Angry Ronnie. All right, here we go. This is Gus Malzahn's opening statement from his meeting with the media yesterday. Okay, coming off an off week, uh, which was much needed. Uh, we evaluated all three phases like I said we would. It was really good for us to kind of get back to the basics. Uh, it was really good to heal up, too. Uh, you know, two of the guys you'll hear, hear from. John Rice and, and Ricky Barber will both be back, which is really good for us. Um, looking at an Oklahoma team, a number 16 in the country, one of the best teams in the entire country on their home field, a great environment. You look at their offense, I think they're number six in the country offense. Uh, Dylan Gabriel, which we know well, obviously an outstanding quarterback. He's playing at a really high level. They got a good run game too. Defensively, uh, one of the better defenses in the country. Uh, you know, good challenge. Uh, you know, they got really good players. They got a good scheme. You know, their head coach went against him. We went against each other numerous times. We know, knew each other well. So it's a good challenge for us, but it, one we're looking forward to. And like I said, coming off the off week, our practices were really good. Um, I really feel like, you know, the three practices we had last week, we got better each practice. Um, our guys had great spirit about them. Uh, we had a really good practice yesterday uh, just to get a little head start you know, on Oklahoma. Hey, so, yeah, we, we're in this mindset where everyone is always, when is the running game going to break out? Yesterday, whenever we, we talked with Jeff Lebby, the question was chunk plays that was asked on the uh, for the fan question. It was, hey, what, what does it take to get chunk plays in the running game? And I uh, – I got to tell you, Josh, I'm falling into this trap to where I feel like I say this a lot, but here we go. Weekends when I didn't think Oklahoma would be able to get its run game on track. Cincinnati and Texas. Two really good running defenses. Uh, defenses against the rush, I guess, is the better way to put Rush defenses. Saturday. UCF is currently 121st in the country against the run. They are allowing opponents to run for almost 200 yards per game. 197.2. If not yet, then it better be this weekend. But, oh, wait. Kansas... (laughs) It's also really bad against the run. Oklahoma State has not been awesome against the run this year. So that whole where we are are constantly saying, hey, man, this might this might be a weekend that they can break through and get the running game going. 
these next three weeks are absolutely the best opportunity from a defensive perspective that Oklahoma is going to have going against teams that, what is a kind way to put it, are not very good against the run. Maybe a better way to put it is stinks against the run. Porous. Porous. I mean, so yeah. if you've been in that group of, oh, gosh, can we get the running game going? Um, here's here's where the next three teams rank in rushing defense nationally. Okay, let's hear you it. Ready? And now we're at the midway point and beyond, which – I mean, these numbers kind of are what these numbers are. By the way, the next three opponents, point. I'm just doing this off the top of my head. It is UCF, Kansas, and OSU, right? Yeah. Okay. UCF, we just said it, against the run, one of the worst teams in the country. There's only nine teams that are worse against the run in the country than UCF. They give up 197.2 yards per game. Kansas next week is 94th. Nationally against the run. 94th. They give up 161 yards per play running the football. And Oklahoma State is 71st. So, what's the old, if, if, if not now when? Well, all of the, all the concerns that you may be having about an individual, and I know the running game conversation is tired, and you had a 100-yard rusher against Texas. It just so happened it was the quarterback. Well, you add in the element of having to defend the quarterback run game, which all three and all six teams left on the Sooner schedule or seven or hopefully nine left on the Sooner schedule have to deal with. But, I mean, this is it, Josh. Let's go. Yeah, I mean, this is the moment right here. This is that weekend. Ought to be able to really, really run on these guys. Okay, so here's my question to you. It's Tuesday. We got a long way to go. We got two hours until the Brent Venables press conference. You are challenged with coming up with a spotlight player, and you look at those numbers and you think, dang, that running game has a chance to really be good. Are you going with Tawi Walker, Marcus Major, another week to get healthy for Javante Barnes or Gavin Sawchuk? Because, you know, really, special teams aside, okay, really the two biggest concerns are where's our number one back, which, you know, we're six games in, y'all. We're, we're in this thing. I don't know if that's magically going to develop unless, unless it's an injury situation where Javante Barnes is, all right, I'm back, and he's looking like himself. I'm sure Brent will get asked about it today. Two more weeks to kind of get right. Yeah, it sounds like it's just been, unfortunately for for him, one step forward and two steps back. You are correct. You are 100% correct. It's like That's exactly what it's been. Keep thinking that he's about to turn the corner. It just hasn't totally happened. In, in fact, team sourced note is exactly what I was told. There are two steps forward and a step back. Yeah. And then a step forward and then two steps back. Just it's it's a weird injury that he's dealing with. Yeah. And so I, I guess maybe my point is, do I just stick to it and say, bro, let's give the ball to Tywee? Or do you continue to say the most potentially explosive back on this team is Sawchuck or Barnes? They gotta get him going if we're gonna win a title. 
Do, do we have to say that ship has sailed? This is Tawi Walker and Marcus Major's load or no? I don't think you have to say that, but I think that's probably the most realistic thought. It's tough, right? It, well, yeah, it's hard to get a, a beat on that. I want to say that Tommy Walker is going to get the bulk of the carries because he got 15 against Texas, but would it surprise you at all if Marcus Major has 20 carries nope. against UCF? No. It goes and runs for a buck 50. By the way, to kind of give you an idea of just what Oklahoma is going up against these next three weeks def- defensively, not what they're what they're dealing with running the football, but what they're dealing with defending it, just real quick as an aside. I think I said that right. John Rice Plumley's going to be back. Kansas averaged 10 yards per play. 10 yards per play against <laughs> Oklahoma State. I mean, my goodness. <laughs> And Oklahoma State has been able to run the football almost at will the last few weeks. So it's going to be an interesting challenge in stopping the run and then in turn getting the running game going because now you're going up against the next two weeks, two very mobile. Starting Saturday and then potentially next Saturday with Jalen Daniels' return, you're going up against two of the most mobile quarterbacks you're going to see. And they both run. John Rice Plumley runs kind of like Jalen did. But to where he, he lowers his shoulder, but I don't think he's 100%. Yeah, I mean, is he really going to be able to? He's been dealing with a leg injury. So, every time I watch John Rice Plumlee play, I keep waiting for him to get knocked out of the game because of how he runs. Like when Jalen, he's bigger, physical, more full back in, if you will. With John Rice Plumlee, you're watching me like, dude, he's going to get hurt. He's going to get hurt. He's going to get hurt. What's he doing? And that's – and and Josh, you're, you pulled up his highlights. Watch the highlights. Literally, there's there's not many runs where he doesn't take contact of some sort, and he never gets down. And it cost him. So I got hurt, even though it's kind of a it was kind of a play where there's there wasn't really too much he could do. It, it's a fascinating next three weeks for the Sooners, but at the core of it, in the original point, you should be able to get your running game going. If he's healthy, he can really move. Oh yeah, I mean, you're going back and looking at last year's highlights. He was he, he's a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger this year. Dude's got a chance to play Major League Baseball. He really does. But as far as the quarterback, he's a problem. He's an absolute problem. Now, is he 100%? We'll find out. Gus Malzahn talked about John Rice Plumley when we come back. Plus your text, early check, the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line, and hour one of the Plank Show, which, as always, is brought to you by Van Hoos Fence. Call Mark and Tessa right now at 405-735-1167. There. Customer satisfaction, or your customer satisfaction, your satisfaction is their top priority. 405-735-1167. It's the Plank Show. All right, let's hit the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. I haven't checked the new text yet. Let's see here. All right, uh, 405-651-3439. I like this from the 918, just right to the point. At this point, I just want any running back to step up and take the dang job as the dude. Zach writes, with the running back room being the way it is now, who do you think hits the portal this offseason? Oh, I hate to have these conversations, man. I mean, obviously your eyes, have they've got to be on Sawchuck and Barnes, right? With the, the buzz that you're hearing around I think with- two freshmen. I think with, with Barnes, the, the fact that you've been dinged up. Yeah, I don't, I don't like to think about that. 
I, I, I don't like that question, Zach. I don't like it. Like, um, I don't think that there's, there's any animosity. When somebody's hurt, they understand. I think you're right. You know, I've been hurt. I hope you're right. And then it, it's interesting. 712 Sooner brings up a really good point. He writes, seems odd how much the coaches praised Hicks in fall camp, but they haven't tried him with all the injuries. Well, I, I, I think he's one of the injured. I think is part of the problem, 712 Sooner. I think that my – he didn't make a couple trips. And to me, whenever you've had some of the buzz that he's had, whenever you don't make a trip, that's a pretty good indication that you're dinged up. Especially whenever, you know, you're looking at a position. Like he didn't, everyone traveled to Tulsa, I'm pretty sure. And everyone travels to Dallas. And he was at Dallas, but everyone travels to Tulsa. And he didn't make that trip. And he made the trip to Cincinnati. So that would lead me to believe that something is up there. Something has to be up there, not in a not in a bad way to uh, the nine one eights or to Zach's point, but I just I, I wonder how healthy he is. Sawchuck writes the four hundred five, redshirt Barnes Sawchuck redshirt Barnes redshirt. How many more games do you each have to play to redshirt? Oh, they're not, yeah, they're not worried about that with either one of those dudes. They both redshirted. I saw Chuck redshirted last year. He didn't play in more than four games. Barnes did not. So unless, you know, I unless this situation that Barnes has right now, unless it leads to something that is more severe, where it's like, hey, we better just go ahead and get a surgery done on this or whatever, right? I mean, that's the only thing I could think of where you might see a redshirt for Barnes. Well, I, I, think, I think that's I think the farthest thing from their concern right now. They're still hopeful and optimistic he's going to help them. Right, exactly. Before the think, year's done. I don't think anyone's tapped out halfway point of the season. Um, Walker and Sawchuck, Landthief918 writes, not taking a shot at him, just an honest question. Has Levy historically as a play caller had a dominant run game in his scheme slash play calling? I vote stick with T-Dub, Walker. Yeah, yeah, he has. I mean, go back to – and some – you know, whenever the the question was, is Jeff Levy going to be the offensive coordinator at Oklahoma? The concern was, did he call his own plays? Right when he was at UCF, he worked with a play caller in Josh Heupel. When he was at Ole Miss, he worked with an offensive minded coach that was a play caller in Lane Kiffin. So, yeah, I, they had good run games at both Ole Miss and and even at UCF. But by the way, I had completely forgotten that. This is year three for Gus at UCF. So he did coach Dylan Gabriel a year. I, I, I was all over the John Rice Plumley. We were talking about it yesterday, being at Ole Miss with Jeff. But I completely forgot that Dylan Gabriel actually played a year with Gus Malzahn. Completely forgot about A couple that. games. Yeah. Then he got hurt. <laughs> then he got hurt. Well, speaking of that, since we are on that, and I don't want to spend the whole game, just talk, our whole show talking about running backs, even though – Yes, I brought it up. Uh, Gus Malzahn was asked during his press conference yesterday about – I just turned off my computer. <laughs> I don't think I've ever done that, trying to find the, the little adapter to plug in, and I literally just turned off my computer. All right, let's hear from Gus. Good night. Let's hear from Gus Malzahn. Dee, 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 dee. The entire computer just shut down. <laughs> and, and then it looks like he's like, what, you're trying to turn me back on already? I'm in bed. He had high praise for, for – 
uh, Dylan Gabriel, as you might imagine. Um, but there was one more here that I wanted to get to. How could you not right now? But as you pointed out, there there is a prior working relationship. Sure. But uh, even just if there wasn't, if you just watched the film, you'd say, yeah, this this kid's playing really well. All right, now I've, I've got my computer back, but I have five hundred new text messages I want to read. So can we go ahead and just play the audio and then hit the text since I fought for the, for the computer to start back up? Here's Gus Malzahn being asked about Dylan Gabriel and what has, uh, what's made him so good. Well, he's, uh, he's got an outstanding skill set. Um, you talk about a guy that, you know, when we had him every day in practice, he would make a throw that you'd go, wow, his accuracy. Uh, you know, he's a veteran guy now, too. Think about all the snaps he's played. You can see when you're watching on film, he's got really good command. Uh, he knows when to throw the ball away. You know, he's got great courage. He'll wait to the last second and get the ball out. And then you, you talk about the RPO world. You know, they're good at running the football, but he's also good at reading it. So, really, it's all the above with him. Okay. All the above with one Dylan Gabriel. Your take on Gus Malzahn, a guy who has had an incredible amount of success in his career, right? It, it kind of felt that there was about five or six times during his stint at Auburn where you thought he was going to get fired. Sure. And, and he ended up saving his job. They finally canned him. And when they, when they fired him in 2020, I kind of thought, well, that's, uh, that might be it. That might be it, right? Dude, dude's had a pretty good run. Maybe someday when, when Arkansas comes open again, Gus Malzahn can be the prodigal son and return there. But, I mean, I going to have to start winning more than he has been. Agreed. Like, if you were Arkansas, you wouldn't hire him right now. Oh, I don't know, dude. I don't know. I mean, they hired Sam Pittman as an offensive line coach just because he was a hog. They, they, you want to talk about a place – you hear about Mich- you need to f- hire a Michigan man. Arkansas, we need the head hog. We need the head hog. But no, no, that's a good point. You're, you're only 9-4 and four and 9-5 and five in your first two years. Because I thought during his run at Auburn, I always thought he was fairly criminally underrated. But then when I look back at the season by season, I was wondering, where did that come from? Why was I thinking that, you know? 2013 got off to a great start. That was the uh, – BCS National Championship game. Right, right. Where they got beat by, was that Jameis? Famous Jameis? Was that Jimbo Fisher's moment? And then they kind of fell off the earth for a couple of years. They were good in 17. So, I don't know. Do you see him as a guy that inevitably is somewhere else? Or do you see him as a dude that is going to be there at UCF for a really long time? Right now, I think UCF's a pretty good fit for him, and he's a pretty good fit for UCF. Uh, I agree. Speaking of that. We brought up their run defensive issues. When we come back, we'll hear from Gus Malzahn on the run defense and where they tried to fix it. But so, in other words, he's won a title. So you, I'm, I'm sorry, he's played for a title. So you tip your hat to him on that. Sure, had incredible success in the Iron Bowl based on what Alabama Auburn has been. Right, won won the big rivalry games for the most part. But I feel like he always he always loses a game that he's not supposed to. So I wonder if there's not a lot of double figure win seasons on the card. Yeah, I mean there's two, right? There's I think third. Did anyone double digits at uh, Arkansas State when he was there? 
No, no, no. He was only nine and three there. Yeah, he's only had two Which ten or more win know, seasons. That's really good at Arkansas State. Yeah, we saw Arkansas State start the season. They're not necessarily rolling in the talent. I don't know what to think. I, I I've always liked him. Like I guess maybe I it's my too. thought. I like that if you go scroll back up in his coaching history. So I'm having Josh move his. I usually have Josh hide the screen from me, but if you go, yeah, look. So he went from being, it's one of the most amazing career arcs ever, honestly, because he was the star head coach, star head coach at Springdale, Arkansas, and he went from being the high school coach of Mitch Mustaine. They had a receiver that was really good. I think Ben Cleveland was their tight end, and in 2006 he went to. Arkansas became their offensive coordinator. This all cycles back to Mitch Mustaine, doesn't it? Everything does. And Mitch Mustaine went to Arkansas with him, and they had some success. But but in 2006, when he went to Arkansas, no one wanted him there. Like, the boosters pushed for it. Houston Nutt was still the head coach. No one wanted him. They wouldn't let him call plays. They called him high school. I mean, it was kind of – I mean – I'll have to double check, but I don't even think Frank Broyles was all that hot because no one thought that kind of offense would work in the SEC in 2006. <laughs> I'm dead serious, dude. High school. Go, go. Now, here comes high school. It's going to run a spread offense. I mean, literally, that's what the mindset was around him in it, 06. And they hired him to be an OC and wide receivers coach where he didn't call plays. Because they wanted the dudes that he had. They wanted Mustaine. They wanted Cleveland. They wanted the wide receiver. And then – uh, Todd Graham got the Tulsa job, and it was one of the all-time great, great coups that Tulsa ever ever pulled because Arkansas fans were then mad, and he was mad because he wasn't getting uh, – and Houston Nutt would strip play calling from him all the time. I, mean, I think he even did it before the season. Arkansas fans, you can help me fill in the dots. But he goes to Tulsa, has a really good run. I think that was G.J. Kinney. That was his quarterback. He had Paul Johnson. That was his quarterback. Then he goes to Auburn as their OC. I think they won the national championship when he was there. Learns how to become a head coach at Arkansas State and has a solid run at Auburn. I mean, it is a – Josh, it's a wild coaching arc when you think about it. Long time time in high school. Oh, yeah. Dude, he was – those Springdale teams, they had some dudes now on those Springdale football teams. So, anyway – he is, he is it's Arkansas a wild, through and through, isn't it's it? It's a wild career arc. It really, truly is. And you know he's going to bring every trick in the book. All right, quick break. When we come back, uh, what does Gus Malzahn think is the key to fixing that rush defense for UCF? We'll dive into it next right here on The Ref. By the way, Loco, Ohio, you are correct. I am big on historical accuracies. Gus Malzahn was at Tulsa in 07 and 08. You're right. Paul Smith was his quarterback in 07. But I was right, Loco, Ohio. David Johnson was his quarterback in 08. And then if you want to go down the TU quarterback history, Josh, there was G.J. Kinney in 19 and 11, Cody Green in 12 and 13, and that's when Canadian Football League star Dane Evans took over. So if you just felt like you needed a little TU football talk today, I've got you. Thank you for the history lesson. Well, I mean, it's part of Gus Malzahn's DNA, right? It's part of where he kind of cut his teeth. Chad, uh, Chad. Todd Graham gave him a chance to go call plays, and he took advantage of it. Now, the one problem that UCF has this year and something that I, I think Oklahoma is going to be able to exploit on Saturday is their run defense. During his press conference on Monday, Malzahn was asked, okay, where is this defense got to improve? Uh, or what did you specifically do to try to fix the rush defense? 
Yeah, there, there's a couple things. Uh, you know, there's a couple scheme things that we'll definitely clean up that uh, will be addressed. You know, like I said, anytime you have an off week, you're able to go back and you're able to evaluate everything. Uh, so uh, position-wise, maybe you'll see some guys a little bit different in some different positions, but really just scheme-wise and just our approach to certain things should help us uh, tremendously uh, in our run fits and our run, run defense. There you go. There you go. All right. Um, Oklahoma better be able to take advantage of it. If they don't this weekend, oh, Josh Helmer, are we going to have a heck of a conversation come Monday? Are we going to have a heck of a conversation come Monday? All right. Uh, the techs have been great. Let's uh, let's dive into them next. 405-651-3439. We're an hour and 30 minutes away from the Brent Venables press conference, and we'll bring it to you live right here on The Ref.